Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let's pray again. Lord God, we bless you. Thank you for meeting with us in worship, and God, we beg you as we open your word to work in our hearts. Be glorified in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this is the last of our series on relationships, and um, we've talked about relationships with the Lord God, the most important relationship that any of us could ever understand, and we're still trying to fathom that He loved us enough to send His Son in order to forgive us of our sins. We talked about the relationship with the local church and how we need the body of Christ. We talked about our relationships with our families, husbands and wives, children and parents. And today we want to continue this series. And I would like to contend that we were created for a relationship with the lost. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord God desires for us to have a relationship with those who don't know Him. Many would say, who are we to push our faith on somewhere else? What if they're happy with their lives? What are we to be the ones to talk to them about Christ? The question really becomes for you and me, where, what is it that we believe about ourselves and what is it that we believe about them? The reality is, is, is what do we believe about eternity? Do we truly believe because we are in Christ, because we've been forgiven of our sins, that one day we will spend all of eternity with Him in heaven? In the contrast to that, do we truly understand that One day He will say to those who do not know Him, Depart from Me for all of eternity. See, let's think about the lost. What is their current situation? They can do whatever they wish. They can indulge their flesh. They have no rules. They have no standards. They are partying it up. They are living the life. They also have no hope. They also have no answers. They are involved in their current situation, but they don't understand what might happen beyond that. They understand in and of themselves right from wrong. They understand that there are morals, but they don't have any answer for what they do with the wrong in their life. And so they come to the place to where they begin to talk about things like be as good as I can be and maybe it'll all be okay. I'll do the best that I can. I'll be a good person and that will make me happy. You see, there's truly hopelessness for those who don't have Christ. When I was a student pastor in Clanton, Alabama, we were driving down the road one day and my pastor pulled over and said, I want to show you something. And we marched off into the cemetery. I have a slide of a picture that I took that day of a tombstone that he walked up and said, I want you to read this. It reads, To my neighbors and friends, I am an agnostic, knowing not of a future life, nor of the numberless gods of man's creation. Having absolutely no knowledge, I cannot possibly have a duty to these gods. 
In life, to get good, we must do good. There is no other way. Alexander Alonzo Thornton died and buried here. How tragic that he lived his life never understanding that there was a God who loved him enough to send his son to forgive him of his sins, that he could have a relationship with him and that he could have a promise of a future. Yet he died saying with his own words, I have no hope. I'm just going to try to live a good life. What the Bible says about those who are lost, what the Bible says about us as well, is that we were all born sinful, for the wages of sin is death, for all of sin falls short of the glory of God. We all too once lived like that. The Bible teaches us without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. The Bible says that their eyes truly are blinded. They honestly can't even see that Jesus is the only way for them to change. What about us? We were lost without hope, right? We were without Christ. Yet we have, as believers, if you're in this room today and you've accepted Christ, we've experienced forgiveness and we didn't deserve it. Yet we have His Spirit living within us. We have joy. We have peace. We have love that we can't explain. Yes, we have hard circumstances. Yes, we still have difficulties in our life. Yes, we still live in a sinful, broken world. Yes, we still stumble. But we have confidence in eternity because Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us and He's promised that one day He's going to return for His bride. One day we will be reunited with Him and we will spend all of eternity enjoying Him forever without sin, without sickness, without tears, without anything to complicate our relationship. One day we have the promise of victory, complete victory that is found only in Him. So what do we do with the fact that we know the way and they don't? Ladies, let me ask you this. If today you heard in church about your favorite retail store having this amazing sale with coupons on top of 80% off that nobody knew about, what would you do? There would be a firestorm of text messages and Facebooking. You would be carpooling together to the store, right? Men, what if we heard about a huge tract of land that had not been hunted in 20 years? That's probably not a good illustration because y'all wouldn't tell anybody. You would just go all by yourself. (laughs) But as believers, we know what they need. We know the future. We know the hope. There can be forgiveness. We have the answer for the lost. What are we doing with that knowledge? Our heart for the lost will show when we grasp His love for us. Turn your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Our heart for the lost will show when we grasp His love for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, we read, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died. 
And He died for all, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for the One whom for their sake died and was raised. We see that the love of Christ, if we understand the love that He has poured out for us, it will compel us, it will control us, that we no longer live for ourselves. Continuing in verse 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Here's where we're going this morning. Verse 18. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. See, Paul lays out here that we are His ambassadors. We are the ones who will speak for the Lord. An ambassador is one who speaks for someone else. We are the ones that have been giving the ministry of reconciliation. They need Jesus. We know Jesus. They are not forgiven and we know the way. Christ came and died and left to prepare a place for us. And Christ says, I am giving you the ministry of reconciliation. You are my ambassadors. You will speak for me. The second thing we see is our hesitancy to embrace the lost is because our weak understanding of His work in our lives. I'm afraid as as believers we've become very content with the fact that Jesus died for me. I am forgiven and I am okay and I'm going to have eternity and God has been so good to me. I'm reminded of the story of Jonah. The Lord tells Jonah to go to those horrible people and tell them to repent and turn for destruction is coming. And Jonah, of course, goes the other direction. God in His sovereignty got Jonah's attention in the belly of a whale. And gave him another opportunity. Jonah, go tell those people to repent and turn so that the destruction will not come to them. So Jonah goes and he says, repent. And they did. The interesting thing for this story for me is not not his disobedience the first time. I understand that completely in my life. But the point that God makes in the rest of the book of Jonah as he says, Jonah, why are you upset? They repented. I'm upset because I knew you were a gracious God and you were merciful and you were slow to anger and you were abounding in steadfast love. I knew that you would forgive them. So he goes up and pouts. The Lord makes a plant to come up over him and to shade him from the sun. And Jonah is pleased. The Lord has blessed me. The Lord has covered me. The Lord has given me shade. The Lord takes care of me. The Lord loves me. And the Lord appointed a worm to make the plant go away. And Jonah again is upset. And God says, 
Why is it that you are so content for my provision for you and yet no regard when I decide to show my love and steadfast grace for others? Isn't that just like us? Don't we find ourselves so content that He is taking care of us, that He loves us, that He's going to save us, and yet we don't have this hurt for the lost that we're surrounded by day in and day out? You see, we've received this grace from the Lord. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We are called to take the gospel to those who need it the most. Those who need it the most are the worst of sinners, the ones that we don't necessarily enjoy being around, to be honest, the ones that we are frustrated with. Yet Paul calls himself the worst of sinners, not because of the sins that he has committed, because of his understanding of how wretched he is compared to the Lord. You see, we run from the worst places. We avoid those people. And yet the Lord has great things in store for them. The Lord sent His Son so that none might perish. We use words like us and them to describe those who are saved and those who are not. And we wouldn't say it out loud, but we're kind of happy that we're in the group of the good people. We're not paying attention to those that the Lord still has work to do. Now, that was what the Lord said to Jonah. Surely He's not saying that applies to us, right? The Lord does call us to be His witness here and to the ends of the earth. There are two passages of Scriptures. If we're going to talk about God desiring us to have a relationship with the lost, we have to walk through, and that's Matthew 28, one that we know very well. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A better rendering of this is, as you are going, be making disciples. As you are living your life, be an ambassador for Christ. As you are doing your daily life, as you go to work and you go to school and you go be part of where God has planted you, be making disciples. Be intentional with the fact that He has forgiven you and He will forgive others. And the Lord will be with you always. We get so caught up with the fact that I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be bold like that. I don't know that I can share like that. But He promises to be with us. Acts 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The, the crazy part about all of this is that God has really left us with the Gospel. He has entrusted us to be the ones to be His witnesses. He is saying, you are the ones who are going to proclaim My truth. I want you to be My ambassadors. I've given you the message of re reconciliation. Use it so that others might hear. Well, the people right here at home that need to hear, right? There are people right here. Why do we need to go all the way around the world? Well, we'll start with right here. 
Because to be honest, there's, a more, there's, a, there's enough conviction for what needs to be happening right here to go a long way. In Mark chapter 5, we read the story of the man with an unclean spirit. I'll read part of it for you, beginning in verse 2. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met Him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived in the tombs and no one could bind Him anymore, not even with a chain. For He had often been bound in shackles and chains, but He wretched free of the chains. And He broke apart the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue Him night and day among the tombs and on the mountains. He was always crying out and cutting Himself with stones. And when He saw Jesus from afar, He ran and fell down before Him and crying out with a loud voice, What have you to do with Me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment Me. We know the rest of the story. He asked to be cast into the pigs and the Lord granted that request. And so the, the demons were cast into the pigs and they all ran into the sea and died. We pick up in verse... 16, and those who had seen it described to them what was happening to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged Him that He might go with Him. And Jesus did not permit Him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. The man went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. You see, God had done this amazing work. God had given him everything that he needed. God had cast the demons from him. And God had left him in his right mind. And he just wanted to be with Jesus. I just want to stay with you. I want to follow you. I want to ride the boat with you. I want to be with you. And he says, no, go and proclaim what I have done. Go and proclaim what the Lord has done on your behalf. Go and tell your family. Tell your friends. For they need to see that there's been a change in your life. See, the same is for us, right? We once were in sin. We once all were apart from God and He has accomplished something. If we understand salvation, if we understand what He did on our behalf to take us from darkness to light, we need to be ready to proclaim it. We need to be ready to share it. We need to be willing to share with others. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we read this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Why? Why are we in the family of God? That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He has called us. He has redeemed us. He has saved us. He has made us holy. He calls us a people for His own possession. We are His so that we might proclaim He has changed us and He is worthy and He loves you and you can be forgiven too. But let's be real honest today. 
if we think about our, our week, if we think about our lives, if we think about what our actions have been for the last seven days, how much of it has been spent proclaiming His excellencies to those around us? How many of us today gathered someone who said, let's go worship my God today. I'm praying that you might find the forgiveness that I've had too. How many of us have a relationship with somebody who is lost that might be irritating, that might be difficult for the sole sake that one day we might be able to introduce them to the King of Kings that saved us from our sins? Still, we're real honest, as the body of Christ, sometimes we're happy to come and gather together and rejoice in what He's done for us. And we're negligent to the fact that He's called us to proclaim His excellencies to everyone that we come into contact with. If we took a long look at our calendar and our text messages and our Facebook and our Instagram and the things that we've been consumed with this week, the distractions that the world has placed before us to keep us from living the life that He has called us to live, we've been more consumed about things that don't matter than the things that are going to matter to all of eternity. He's called us to proclaim His excellencies because He is worthy. See, we see the same love for Him will overflow in our desire to proclaim His excellencies to all to the ends of the earth. Yes, we are to proclaim His excellencies here. I believe with all of my heart He's given you the job, the school, the classroom, the people that we interact with. He allows us to run into those people in Walmart in order that we might proclaim His excellencies here. Yes, we are called to be His witnesses here in Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, but we are also called to take that to the ends of the earth. He truly believed that we would be so overwhelmed with the fact that Christ forgave us of our sins that everybody in our inner circle would hear about Christ and that that would begin to propel us out further and further and further to the ends of the earth. Why do we spend thousands of dollars to send our people on mission trips all the way around the world? Well, there's lots of reasons. They're lost there just like people are lost here. But there's a difference. There's church after church after church after church that is commanded to reach outside of their walls in order to reach their own community. I did an internet search and I I found 90-something churches in Troop County. 90 churches. You do the math. There's an opportunity for the people of LaGrange, Georgia to hear about the gospel. And to be honest, if we were proclaiming His excellencies and everywhere we go, that would ripple out and we would see people coming to Christ left and right around us. But there are places in this world that have no churches, that have no pastors, that have no Bibles, that don't even have the Word of God in their language. Our team that's leaving in January to go to the Middle East is going to be serving with one family that's serving with another family. That's two families that live for the sake of the Gospel in a dark, dark place. And statistically, based on believers known in that area, they are in charge of reaching Millions for Christ. Millions of people who live in darkness and don't have a church to go to, don't have a Bible study to go to. So the reason that we go to the ends of the earth is the same reason that we go across the street. 
Because without the gospel, they are destined to spend eternity without Christ. You will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But more than the fact that they don't have churches is the promise of Scripture that the Lord came so that every tribe and every tongue and every language and every nation would have believers. You see, the Lord God is not a white, middle-class American citizen. He's claimed for all people. And I share with you this passage to back that statement up. May this affect your soul today. The Word of God. Revelations chapter 5. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes and were seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which were full of the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voices of the angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. On the authority of Scripture, I stand before you and say there will come a day when every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every people will be represented and they will be in the very presence of God and Jesus, the one who died on our behalf, and they will give Him glory. If you're a believer in this room, you have the promise that you're going to be at the most amazing worship service you can ever fathom and it's going to last for all of eternity. But the reality is, is we are surrounded by people who have yet to find out that they can be part of it. We can argue all day about how this is supposed to happen and what this looks like, but in reality for you and I, the question for us today is obedience. The only thing standing between the lost... And the Lord God is the obedience of the saints because He has given us the ministry of reconciliation and He has made us His ambassadors. Are you speaking for the King of Kings? 
If you've died to your own life, if you've been redeemed and purchased from your sins, if you believe the Word of God and you understand what has been done on your behalf to forgive you of your sins, then you will serve Him with all of your hearts and that will also include your words as you encounter those who don't know Christ. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart and the way that He does that is He tunes your heart to His Delight yourself in the Lord and He will tune your heart to His heart and your heart will beat for the things that He does. And if you read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, His heart beats that people might know Him and enjoy Him forever. So how does that happen? What does that look like for you? I don't know. I would not presume to tell you what the Lord wants to do, but it looks like this. Asking Him what you should do and being obedient. Asking you, asking the Lord what it is that you want from me. Why do you have me in this job? Why do you have me in this classroom? Why do you have me in this work environment? Why do you have me with this family member? What is it that you want me to do in order to bring you glory? How might I take the message of reconciliation to those around me. You can do this on your own. You can go and ask God to show you and you can go out and do that. You can also participate in these things with the body of Christ. And real quickly, I just want to tell you some of the ways that you can be involved in things and ministries that are already happening right here. If you want to practically know what this could look like for you, there's a group that goes to the laundromat once a month and they sit around and they give quarters to people and they wash people's clothes and they sit with them for hours and talk to them and proclaim the excellencies of Him who have called us from darkness to light and they share the gospel in the laundromat. They're going this week. They're going Saturday at 10 a.m. If you want to be part of that, see Pam Sewell. There's a group that goes to Pine Mountain on Sunday evenings and shares Kids Club. What we started at Mission LaGrange is still going on in Pine Mountain, and you can be part of that. See Donna Johnson. There's a Christmas outreach that we're going to be doing to to help families that struggle to provide for their families at Christmas on December 11th. Right now we're looking for people to adopt a family and say, I will invite this family, I'll pick them up, I'll make sure that they have presents, I will sit with them and I'll build a relationship for the sake of the gospel so that I might share with them the love of Christ. See Richard Starr if you want to do that. There's a family that drives around in vans every Wednesday and every Sunday in order to pick up people that don't have a way to get to church. They're in here today. I've never told you this, but I want you to know that I was picked up and brought home from church Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday and Wednesday for years. And it was on one of those trips that Christ invaded my heart. Brother, I appreciate what you're doing. Buy him a tank of gas. Can't, can't we all bring somebody? There's a canned food drive in the lobby for LaGrange personal aid. There's so many things that are going on in our Sunday school classes and that's what we want is for this just to be your ministry, for you to take it, for you to see God leading you to do something and go and do it. Some of y'all are praying about how to be involved in mission and what, what you should do about taking the gospel to the nations. Praise God you're part of a church that sins. 
Real quickly, Guatemala mission trip is coming up soon. Deposits are due. It's time to determine this. This is spring break. There's a student emphasis for this trip. And we're still waiting for the students to say God's calling them. Students, if you're sitting here waiting to determine whether your friend's going to be on this team or what you need to do or who's going to be part of this, stop asking who's going to be part of it. Ask God if He wants you to be part of it and commit to be part of this trip. South Asia, January is full. South Asia, February is full. May, we're taking Carpenters for Christ. That's all men, 15 and up. Zambia, June 9 to 19. Camp Viola, June 21 to 24, that's free. New York City, church planning, June 24 to 29. Mission LaGrange, hold the dates, people. Right now, write it down, July 6 through 12. Determine in your hearts you're going to be part of what God's going to do. And let's invade our city for the sake of the gospel. Alaska, July 12 through 19. Romania, July 16 to 28. Guatemala, September, Zambia, October. There's a year's worth of opportunities laid before you. The question isn't where should we go. The question is how should we go? What does God have for you? I'm not saying that if you go on the mission trip, you're more spiritual than the person who, who goes across the street. Lost is lost. The question is, are you being an ambassador for Christ? The question is, are you so overwhelmed that you were called from darkness to light that you are proclaiming the excellencies of Him who called you? The question is, obedience. We were created to have a relationship with the lost. Your life is not your own. It was bought with a price. Let's live it for the sake of the one who paid the price. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we beg you by your Spirit to convict us in this place. God, we ask that you would reveal the things in our life that are consuming us, that are distracting us. God, we pray that you would forgive us for being complacent and being content that You would save us, that You would provide for us, that You love us. God, may we believe the truth that You sent Your Son and that we have been provided for, but may that propel us for the sake of the Gospel to share the truth to those who need to hear. Lord God, I don't know what you want to do in this place, but God, we ask that you by your Spirit would work. God, show us how we might bring you glory, how we might point others to you. Lord, when we see those who are lost, may we see them with your eyes and not our frustrations. God, do a work in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship. This altar's open. Do business with the Lord and ask what it is that He would have for you. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.